Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 234 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby, here with Andy Bagley. Andy, the 2022 Giants hit 234 as a team. Uh, they're hitting 250 now. They're improving across the board offensively. Uh, that kind of tracks with a team that is now two games over 500. How you doing, Andy? All right. I'm doing well. I'm in uh, the Gateway City, St. Louis, Missouri. I'm looking out my hotel window at a well, I, I can't say it's a great view. It's a crumbling parking lot uh, and a parking structure beyond that and a building that no one is currently inhabiting. But, you know, um, I'm glad to be here. Well, I mean, you're sitting there. You don't have the view, but you've got a box full of St. Louis pizza in front of you, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Mm, with Provel. Delicious <laughs> Provel. Yeah. St. Louis cuisine. I want to go to all these cities with the hated cuisines and try the hated cuisines so that I could say that I've tried them and, hey, they're not that bad or, wow, they really are that bad. So um, next year, I want to go to Cincinnati. I uh, want to go to St. Louis. I mean, uh, I will say uh, the view that I had when I wrote my Kirk Reader story was of the arch. It was just a beautiful view from uh, my hotel window. So you should try that next time. You know, it's just the NL Central grant. It really is. The AL Central's fine. Detroit pizza is delicious. I mean, Detroit oh, does something Detroit. wonderful with pizza. Um, you've got Chicago. You've got Kansas City barbecue. I mean, it's it's a it's a AL Central is is great. The NL Central is where you get into the divisive territory with with the uh, gooey butter cake and and uh, and skyline chili and and uh, I guess putting your French fries on your sandwich in Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, well, and, and I I don't know what is well Milwaukee. Come on, Milwaukee is a great city to eat in. That's a uh, but but uh, Milwaukee wins, I think. And then you've got Chicago, obviously. But yeah, you got some some divisive uh, uh, food trends in the NL Central, I think. You got 60% of those teams are just have great tubed meats. I mean, you, the Pirates, <laughs> you're talking Milwaukee, Cubs. You, you, can do, you can do anything. Are you a good Chicago dog guy? Like, do you love a good Chicago dog? Oh, drag it through the garden. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give give me the pickle spear and give me the relish that is neon green that looks like uh, it just came out of the Springfield nuclear power plant. Um, put that celery salt on there. Underrated ingredient. Uh, yep. Bun's got to have poppy seeds on it. You can't taste them. They're basically the 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 um, chocolate sprinkles of, of of things you put on buns. They serve no purpose, but they got to be there. So yes, I love a good Chicago dog. 
I just realized that we've had this conversation before, but hey, it's episode 234. Come on, we're like an old married couple. Um, we are not here to talk about <laughs> hot dogs. We're here to talk about the Giants. And uh, where do you want to start? I think the story of the week is that Brandon Crawford pitched and pitched well. For me, the story of the week is that Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt had a chance to win a game against the Giants and didn't do it. Uh, that, to me, is a once-in-a-generation kind of event. So where do you want to start? Yeah, yeah. I was walking out of the ballpark with Katie Wu, our, our um, fine Cardinals correspondent, and she's like, yeah, I've, I've watched that game 40 times this year. And oh. and uh, it's it really is like the Cardinals are finding ways to lose. It's just they're in that kind of rut, and, and they look like they were getting out of it when they had about a week and a half, two weeks when they were scoring eight or ten runs a game and looked like they were turning into the uh, you know Texas Rangers of the National League, and then they kind of went south again. So still a lot of talent. I mean, we've got a guy like Jordan Walker hitting seventh in your lineup. There's still a tough lineup to pitch to and, and a lot of a really good young players. But, yeah, they just haven't put it together. They obviously are short a few arms, and um, – and the Giants found a way to come back and win a ball game. And, and it was Brandon Crawford who delivered the tie-breaking hit in the eighth inning. And he started against a lefty. You know, and, I, and I told him before the game, I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked you're playing today. And he's like, uh, yeah, so am I. <laughs> so I think when, when they let him pitch uh, the, the last inning Sunday, I, he kind of assumed, well, the next day is a lefty on the mound. I'm not going to be playing. That's why they're letting me do this. They wouldn't let me go out and actually pitch and throw 90-mile-an-hour fastballs if they thought I was going to play shortstop the next day. And the next day, he's, he's playing shortstop. And I think, you know, the takeaway is – and you never say this part out loud, but they only let the people pitch that they think are some of the more expendable people on the roster. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Crawford, you know, had looked like he was getting to the stage where he was one of the expendable guys. I mean, he, he told me he threw a bullpen in, in Milwaukee uh, last month because he didn't play for two straight days and he was bored. And he's like, well, I, I, I guess I could just have some fun. So he went and he threw off the bullpen mound and had Trackman looking at his pitch shapes and looking at his RPMs on his curveball and everything. And that was the first time he'd gone off a mound in forever. But the reason they let him do that is because Casey Schmidt was too hot to take out of the lineup. And for the first time ever, Brandon Crawford was kind of, you know, the odd guy out when they're playing the hot hand. Well, he's got an 850 OPS, I think, in the last two weeks. And, and Schmidt is still swinging at everything. Uh, including, as you definitely put, the period at the end of the sentence. So Brendan Crawford is now kind of working his way back into not being expendable, which um, I think is it's an interesting way to frame the whole Crawford pitches thing, uh, uh, you know, aside from just enjoying the heck out of what was a really, really fun thing to watch. May 2nd, I wrote about Brandon Crawford by how he can still be important, why going on the IL can give him a chance to reset and be the important cornerstone that the Giants have come to expect and that they would certainly enjoy this year. And I got a little bit roasted in the comments. I'm not sure if people are still mad at that. So I'm going to look at the comments under yours once we get off this podcast, because you brought up a a similar point, you know, just that, hey, this guy's doing good things for the San Francisco Giants. And that's what they were hoping for. You know, it shouldn't be that surprising. I get that he's on the other side of 35, but he still can be a real important part of this team. Yeah. Same with Chuck Peterson, who obviously had a big uh, home series against the Cubs, reminding you that he's still pretty good against 
uh, right-handed pitching. Same with Mitch Haniger, who had a couple of big RBI hits in Monday's series opener here against the Cardinals. I mean, the Giants are still counting on these guys. Throw Mike Yastrzemski in there, throw J.D. Davis in there, throw Wilmer Flores in there. You know, it's not just, hey, you know, we want to see Luis Matos, and so I don't care. You know, chop some trees down and make some space for him. They still have people who are here that they like. You know, have a, an OPS plus over well over 100 and are winning players and are veteran players. They'll need the reinforcements as well, and they have already. And Patrick Bailey certainly has, has been eye-opening with, with the way that he's sort of nailed down the catching position, but they still need these uh, older dudes too. And I think, um, you know, it, it's going to be hard for them to get where they need to go if they're only going to be relying on on the Casey Schmitz of the world. Yeah, I am as guilty as anybody about uh, gravitating towards the new shiny thing. And when Casey Schmidt was hitting 550 in his first five games, he just was two hits, two hits, four hits, uh, two hits. I mean, he was he was on fire since that game. So those are his first five games since that game. Ninety five plate appearances. He's hitting 217 with a 232 on base percentage and a 283 slugging percentage. I get the defense is good, but he looks overmatched right now in a big, big way. And it just, you know, I'm not worried about him long term necessarily, but it just goes to show that it's easy to take Brandon Crawford for granted uh, as soon as you get five games from a hot rookie. Yeah, and uh, I think that this was very, very predictable that Casey Schmidt would go through this um, mm. because they don't want to temper his aggressiveness. It's what makes him so good, but... Pitchers are smart for a reason. Scouts are exist for a reason. Analytics teams exist for a reason. And, you know, Casey Schmidt is going to see a lot more pitches outside the strike zone. And right now he's got the um, second highest chase rate uh, in the major leagues. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be up to him to make that adjustment. And if he doesn't, then, you know, he's probably going to be optioned before too long and, uh, and have a chance to work on it at AAA. Um, and, you know, the Giants will take a look at, at somebody else. But I, I, I still think that this team is – it's not necessarily a they're going to go as Brandon Crawford goes. I think there's a little more around him now than there was before. But he's still a big part of, of, of what this team's going to do this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, I'm writing currently about how to get Luis Matos on the roster. Uh, how are they going to do it? Who should I call? Uh, is there a letter campaign that we can start? Uh, where is he? I want uh, him now. I want him now. This is now a Luis <laughs> Matos uh, podcast. So uh, what's what are you thinking? Would he play against righties and lefties? Would it have to be a righty that uh, – I mean, are you looking at um – 
you know, Mitch Haniger falling down a well or, or yeah. Austin Slater, I don't know, poisoning himself with massive <laughs> doses of gigant, gigantism formula or I'm trying to think of the other. Did he go into a burning <laughs> building? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, going down the mystery spot. Refused to wear his, uh, cut his sideburns. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> any of the various uh, fates that befell the major leaguers in in uh, in Springfield. That's two Simpsons references already. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure how they get them on the roster. I mean, there is such a thing as forcing the team's hand. I will say this, and, and this is one thing that I think it's very easy to forget about. You know, you only burn one option in a season. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, players have three options. Sometimes you can get a medical fourth option, but for the most part, you only have three. And you only burn one in a season. But according to the new CBA, you can only be optioned five times within a season. And after that, uh, if they take you off the roster, you have to be outrighted, which means a waiver claim, which means you're probably playing somewhere else. And uh, Bryce Johnson is somebody who has already been up and down a few times. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that he would be the call up when they need, um, you know, a little more coverage in the outfield. But, uh, you know, they're they're not going to want to get into like NBA four fouls in the third quarter territory here. They're 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 probably going to try to spread spread it around a little bit, and so I think that may be a factor too. In in, in Matos being the guy, the next time they have an opportunity or or, or they need a little bit of coverage, I, I don't know where that's going to be because right now they're healthy. Um, but uh, as you know, this is an older roster, so. Um, you know, th- there's there's a chance that at some point Mitch Hanniger may need a, a blow and a little bit of time on the IL. But right now he's he's in a groove and he's playing well. Yeah. And that's basically the conclusion that I'm uh, coming to is that they're not going to bring him up to sit. Right. You're not going to bring him up to be uh, a bench piece. You're not going to bring him up to get sporadic at bats. Uh, that doesn't do him any favors. It's not necessarily going to be a, uh, a game changer for the Giants necessarily. Uh, and then you st- you have Mitch Haniger, who is very important to the next couple of years for this team and also is starting to get going. You saw Michael Conforto make that turn from kind of being adrift and lost and then finding a swing and becoming really important to the, the everyday lineup. They're expecting, hoping uh, that Haniger will make a similar transition. He's done it in the past. I, there isn't a spot for Montos. It, it is bananas to me, not because that's wrong, because I, I totally get it, but just finally, the Giants have a center fielder, a guy who can zip around, play center field after years of just shoehorning guys in there who didn't quite fit or or who are imperfect because they could field but not hit. And now they have one. And there's no room for him. It's bananas to me. And I get it, but I, I don't know what the answer is other than just to keep looking at his uh, box scores in AAA and laughing and laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I went down to, um, or I went down, I drove up to Sacramento while the team was in Denver because um, I wasn't on that road series and uh, and talked to Matos and um, had a nice interview with him, talked to hitting coach Damon Miner, talked to the manager, Dave Brundage, and it has been fun. It's been fun for everybody to watch. He's, you know, got tremendous bat to ball skills. He, he definitely is feeling more confident. He's working deeper counts. Uh, I'm hearing all of these uh, changes that he made. And, 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 and then I go and I watch the game and he pops out on the first pitch. And then his second, 
His second at bat, he grounds into a double play on the first pitch. <laughs> and I'm thinking, was this all, is, is this all an elaborate setup? Uh, am I being set up here? Um, in the third at bat, he sees a pitch. And then on the second pitch, he grounds into fielder's choice. So I saw the <laughs> one game where he did not get a hit. Uh, so, yeah, basically, I'm, I'm not allowed to cover Luis Matos in person anymore. Um, but his last two plate appearances, he thought he drew a walk and took a borderline pitch, and the umpire called him back. He ended up making it out, but it was a good plate appearance. And then he batted in the ninth with the winning uh, run on base and two outs, and uh, he did make an out, but it was a nine-pitch at bat. He fouled off some good two-strike pitches, had a couple good takes. And then I think, uh, you know, the next day he started hitting again, and he had another game with two walks. And so, you know, you can definitely see him – uh, doing a lot of the things that they asked him to do in terms of, you know, controlling the strike zone and and not necessarily letting pitchers take your greatest strength and turn it into uh, a weakness where you can make contact on any pitch, but you're just not going to be able to drive a lot of pitches. So you make early count outs and and, you know, his I think his uh, his minor league splits are even pretty impressive, too. I mean, uh, he's batting. Well, I, I think for Richmond, he batted 250 against lefties and 322 against right-handers. Um, but then I think in Sacramento, he's hitting everybody. So it doesn't really matter. So I, I, I mean, maybe Mike Yastrzemski at some point will need a, a, a rest. He's, he's obviously been banged up a little bit this year. Um, and, and Matos is a guy they feel comfortable uh, facing right-handed pitching and putting in center field. That could be another possibility. In AAA, he uh, has eight games with three hits or more. Uh, and four games with no hits at all. So you did pick a stinker of a game to go to. I did. I sure did. Yeah, I did. I picked him. I picked a bad one. Let's pivot a little bit to uh, go back to what you were talking about earlier about Patrick Bailey solidifying himself as the catcher. Uh, it's That seems a little bit more, um, I don't know if legit's the right word, but you could see the path to him holding that job down for the rest of the season more, a little bit easier than it was for Casey Schmidt. Do you think that the plan is to have him be the full-time guy and getting a rest every so often uh, via Blake Sable? Or is the plan still to fold Joey Bart back in at some point once he gets his swing back uh, and have him take the bulk of the at-bats against left-handed pitching? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think that right now you want Patrick Bailey catching as many games as he can catch and as many games as it's responsible to have him catch. I mean, it's been remarkable. He's worked with, with every pitcher on the staff very, very well. Uh, Logan Webb was letting him call the game um, and trusting him. Only shook a couple times. He's making great throws to bases. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, he's he's uh, putting the ball in play. He's getting extra base hits. He had a double on in an 11-pitch plate appearance that preceded Crawford's tie-breaking hit. Um, he's got a couple of squeeze bunts. I mean, this is a guy <laughs> who can do a lot of different things. He's... It's and he's playing with a lot of confidence, and um, you know it's you, you feel good when he's at the plate. You know, not that he's um, he, he hasn't really gotten as hot as, as maybe Schmidt did in the early going, but he just he finds a way to put together a good plate appearance, and and yeah, I I have to say I'm really impressed. I think the defense that's not something that really comes and goes. I mean, that when you can do that, you you pretty much bring that every time, and and that's been very consistent. So. Uh, that may be the most encouraging thing, uh, all told, between what we've seen from the farm system this year. And as far as Joey Bart, I mean, I don't think it was any shock to any of us that they optioned him. Um, and I mean, we all kind of knew that was going to happen. It is a little bit of a rubber stamp that, you know, 
I think officially we can say that Joey Bart is not the heir apparent to Buster Posey, which we all thought he would be. And maybe that we've known that for quite some time. Maybe we knew that obviously in spring training, by the way, that they kind of characterized that it was an open competition. Maybe we knew it last year from the way that he really never seized the job. Um, and, you know, it's not for a lack of effort. It's not for a lack of trying. Um, it's not for a lack of, of hard work. I think they've all said the, the right things. He said the right things. But, you know, Patrick Bailey is is a better catcher. And I think that that's pretty clear. And um, I, I I don't think that's – it's going to take a lot for that to change because I, I think Bailey's defense is not something that's going to go poof and disappear and not be there next week. Right. And that's – I have this idea for an article, and I will write it eventually, about – don't forget about Joey Bart. And what I, what I mean by that is that he can still offer value to the Giants uh, in the role. He, he does complement Bailey well in a lot of different ways, assuming that Bailey isn't magically better against left-handed pitching, which I don't know that he's been working on it. Uh, so maybe he is better against left-handed pitching now, but there's still a spot for Bart and Bailey on the same roster. Uh, I think that could be really productive. I think that could be really uh, helpful to the Giants. But I I heard about Bailey's defense and he was the, the gold glove winner in the minor leagues. Like I, I knew it was good. I just didn't expect it to be this buttery. You know what I mean? Just like silky smooth <laughs> with everything he does. And I, I think Bart does a good job. I think he's a solid defender. And it's not as if the, the Giants were lacking in the way that they had in the past, like the Tyler Heineman, uh, Chadwick Trump situation, where you notice when someone is behind the plate who is a, a little bit greener than you'd like. I think Bart's solid, strong. But Bailey, man, he is just you. You get why pitchers love throwing to certain catchers once you see a guy like Bailey and he's reminding you of Buster Posey a little bit, at least behind the plate. And that's no small feat. You know, we were talking about that. You know, Susan Slusser mentioned that to me in the press box and said, uh, you know, it was it was one of those things where he kind of reminds me of Posey and some of the things he does. And yet I know that the last thing you want to do is is make a Buster Posey comp because you just know how inherently unfair that is. Right. And 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 that's why anytime you would mention that to anybody in the clubhouse, they'd be like, well, 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 you know, don't compare anyone to Buster. And and they're right. You can't compare anyone to Buster. I mean, he's uh, he's he's incomparable, quite literally. So, um, but there are a lot of little things that Patrick Bailey does. Uh, that remind you uh, of the things that Buster was really good at. And one of them just seems to be pacing, which is harder than ever to do with the pitch clock. But he, it doesn't seem like an inning is ever getting too fast out there. And I do obviously get that sense sometimes with Blake Sable, as hard as he's worked. Um, and you get that sense with with some other catchers as well. I think you got that sense with Bart too. And you you just you sense that he's always in control and he's – um, observing everything, um, you know, he, he kind of understands little ways that he can give pitchers an edge, little things that he notices that hitters are doing with their tendencies. And this is a guy who does not know major league hitters. I mean, he's going off the scouting reports, but in a lot of times the, he's, the guy standing in the bucket is he's meeting them for the first time. So um, when he starts to get, I think, uh, a little bit more of a, a reference point for a lot of hitters, then you think he might get even better at this. And uh, and that's a pretty exciting thought. 
Yeah, and it is, like you said, the defense is going to be there. I mean, when you're looking at Casey Schmidt and he's scuffling, you know that he's going to go out there and he's going to make some impressive plays and he's going to, you know, rocket 94 mile per hour fastballs to first base. Uh, But it's not, that's not going to carry you quite as much at uh, third base, certainly. Uh, And even shortstop, if you're slumping that bad, the Giants, I don't think, need that kind of defensive jolt at shortstop because I already have Brandon Crawford. But with Bailey, the Giants have had you know some catching uh, issues over the last couple of years uh, when Buster Posey is is not in the lineup, and it the difference is so jarring. And again, you know Bart's not a bad catcher, but. The idea of I used to make fun of like Mike Matheny when the Giants signed Mike Matheny. I was this is back in the blog days where uh, everyone thought they knew more than the general managers and uh, oh Mike Matheny's on base percentage blah blah blah. But now like I'm I guess the term is yachtier pilled. Like I am just I'm all in on a game manager field general catcher. Uh, they are really 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 important in they don't always show up in the stats. But when you're hitting, you know, what's Bailey hitting 317 and controlling at bats, that's just the cherry on top of a Sunday. But that defense isn't going anywhere. And it happens to be something the Giants have really needed for a while. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting that you mentioned Matheny because obviously Matheny's links has links with the Cardinals and with the Giants. And the Cardinals are going through it right now. I mean, they yes. don't have Yadier for the first time. And they're off to the, their worst start in a generation. I have a really good friend of mine who grew up in downstate Illinois, and he's a Cardinal fan uh, for all his faults. Uh, uh, I forgive him that one. And he he basically said, look, I, I sort of block out my summers. You know, this is what I do. I watch Cardinals baseball. And I feel like this it's been taken away from me. And I said to him, well... Um, here's this violin. You're going to need a microscope to see it, but I'm playing it for you because sometimes you got to watch a bad baseball team, you know? And I know if you're a Cardinal fan or a Yankee fan, you're not used to that, but sorry, the rest of us, the rest of us do it all the time. Uh, we're used to it. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it, but it does make sense that they've, they're going through this sort of existential crisis at a time when for the first time they don't have Yadier back there. I mean, that's just like... The, a backbone of your team, you know, and and then, you know, Wilson Contreras was catching, then he wasn't catching, now he's catching again. Um, yeah, they just, they got to make it work. I mean, I'm sorry, Wilson Contreras is not Yadier Molina, newsflash. They're just going to have to find a way um, forward. And, 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 and if it means that the pitchers have to take more responsibility, then they have to do that too. But but you can really see the parallels for what the Cardinals are going through now and what the Giants went through uh, last season, and you could say also in 2020 uh, when they were trying to to deal with life after Buster. Yeah, I, I was half joking when I started saying that this season is one of the most important seasons uh, for the Hall of Fame case for Yadier Molina. But now I'm not sure that I'm kidding because you can really see just how much the Cardinals miss him. And it's the the shift from Molina to Wilson Contreras, who has always been an imperfect catcher. Uh, he's been an offense first catcher, but he hasn't been necessarily uh, buttery to use that adjective again because I've fallen in love with it. Uh, you know, he's just not like he's not the smoothest catcher, never has been. He's there to hit dingers and to get on base. Uh, the Transition had to have been jarring for the pitchers, and it was clearly jarring for the organization who suddenly announced, like, ah, he's an outfielder now, uh, which made no sense, and that's a whole different thing. But, yeah, it is 
you can point to a lot of the Cardinals' problems right there. They just they miss Yadier Molina. Yeah, I mean they still have a lot of talent, as as you know. They've got Goldschmidt, they've got Arenado, they've got you know seemingly an endless fountain of young players coming up, um, and and yet it, they just haven't put it together. And it, it's not like they have no pitching. Uh, I mean they did just lose Helsley, their closer to the injured list, uh, but you know it's not like they have no. Uh, pitching at all uh, it's it obviously they, they they're probably a pitcher or two short but but yeah i think it all kind of flows through um the guy wearing the the chest protector and shin guards yeah no i, I that is you know i always wondered how i'd uh, become a middle-aged man and i think my appreciation for the catching arts that's going to be my old man yells at cloud moment that's three simpsons references now um but i think like now i'm just i'm all in on the idea i'm all in on the idea that the catcher is is the most important part and it seems silly like i'm having this epiphany now after watching buster posey for a decade but just the idea that Having a game manager and having that field general is so, so important outsized to what you are uh, seeing in, in war and what you're seeing in offensive production. I am totally, I am that old cranky baseball fan now. I just, give me a catcher who knows what he's doing back there. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, honestly, I, I know we, we really shouldn't make any Patrick Bailey to Buster Posey parallels, <laughs> but I mean, when did when did Patrick Bailey come up? When did he make his debut, right? I mean, it's right around the end of May. When, when did Buster come up in 2010? Right around the end of May. Um, and when was Benji Molina traded? July 1, I think, right? Somewhere Basically there, clearing yeah. the spot for him. Now, they don't have to trade Joey Bart because they can option him, but it's kind of kind of similar, you know? There, there are some similarities there. Uh, well, Patrick Bailey, Hall of Famer, yes or no? I mean, the jury's still out. <laughs> Just a little bit. Honestly, one of the most fascinating stories that I've ever been around for the Giants, or not been around, but just paid attention to, was the idea that they did trade Benji Molina. And the decision that led up to that, the conversations that they had to have, Brian Sabian and Bruce Bochy, those must have been fascinating. If I could go and be a fly on the wall for one period in Giants history. That is up there. I mean, that's up there with anything with the Mays and the McCoveys and the anything, because the idea they loved Benji Molina, loved, loved him. And the idea that Buster Posey could be that impressive, that fast for a team with playoff hopes, that had to have been a tough decision, but eventually it became the only one. And it fascinates me. And you know what? I'm just going through Buster's day by days right now in 2010, and I'm looking at, uh, you know, basically what he did. And what stands out to me is he started exactly two games at catcher uh, from May 29th when he came up uh, to June 30th, the day before Benji was traded. He started only two games behind the plate. The whole rest wow. of the time, he was a first baseman in all those other games. And so, you know, I think that they'd seen enough with the bat to know that uh, he could hold it down because he hit like, you know, gangbusters. I think he had three RBI hits in his first game after they called him up. Um, and that's maybe all they needed uh, to see. And in fact, I'm looking at even his offensive numbers over that span. He only had a 314 on base. He had a 695 OPS. So, um, but they, I think they just, they'd seen enough to know that, that Buster Posey could catch, even though, um, you know, he only caught two games. So that's kind of wild. I, I didn't even realize that until I'm just looking at it. 
Yeah. No, I did. I didn't realize until you brought it up because I, in my mind's eye, I had seen, oh, well, they were sharing the catching position and it was clear that he could handle the pitching stuff. But no, they just, they needed his bat in the lineup. And they said, well, you know, maybe we'll take the defensive hit if that's what comes. But obviously it didn't because Buster Posey was Buster Posey. But that, it was such an unsabian move, I think, because with Sabian, you you want to rely on some of the guys. It's why you bring in uh, an Orlando Cabrera, because you're not sure about Brandon Crawford. It's why you bring in Jose Vizcaino, because you're not so sure about Rich Aurelia just yet. Uh, it's, you know, and I kind of came to appreciate that a tiny, tiny bit more than I, I did back then. But with Buster Posey and Benji Molina, I mean, that was just... You know, Benji Molina was a security blanket. He was a whoopee for the Giants and for good reason, for the reasons we're talking about. A good catcher is uh, not easy to find. So I don't know that I could go on and on about that move because it was so stunning um, and so unexpected. And yet, uh, obviously, it changed the course of the franchise. I, I love the fact that Benji Molina ended up with two World Series rings that year. Um, <laughs> and so did Chris Ray, by the way, I think, who went the really? other way in that trade. Um, and yeah, you, you get one for just playing, being on the roster for a day. You get a World Series ring. So he got uh, he got a World Series ring for the for the winners, and and also uh, got an AL championship ring with with Texas. Um, and he's also the only guy in Major League history to get credited for a home run without a run scored. So Benji <laughs> Molina, cool, cool career. Cool, cool giant. I uh, I tried to reach out to him to, when I was writing about uh, his cycle, the 10th anniversary of his cycle, because uh, I just love that he hit for the cycle and and got a triple uh, for his last part of the cycle. Uh, and then later, after I wrote the article, I, I heard that he actually hates when people talk about the cycle. He thinks it, it demeans his career because, uh, you know, he's known for being slow as opposed to being a very good catcher. So I apologize, but also I'm not going to apologize because it's really cool that he hit for the cycle so what are you gonna do yeah i i remember there was a time espn put up a little highlight of him and like played like 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 slow yurtle the turtle music when he was running to, uh, first to third or something and and he was livid he hated it i mean he he really did have um a sensitivity to being made fun of for his speed he's like why why do you got to do that why you got to clap down on me for that you know it's i do a lot of other things well i i don't run well so why do you got to make fun of me? So, you know, it's uh, it's just not something he ever had a sense of humor about. And um, yeah, there were times where he would like he boycotted ESPN. He wouldn't do any appearances with them for like like years, a few years. So, um, you know, everyone's wired differently. But that's something that uh, that Benji just did not have a sense of humor about. Yeah, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He did a lot of things. Well, be kind. Yeah. If you yeah. have a choice to be kind, be kind. I follow him on Twitter. He's just he's a very positive guy. Just a very positive he guy. He is. He is a positive guy. And you know, we're we're going through some tough times as an organization right now, obviously. And shout out to everybody who who had a tough week and, and obviously we've all had a tough week. So good vibes. Let's let's send some good vibes and be kind to somebody out there. Well, tonight I'm going to the Coliseum and I know that there's no cheering in the press box, but can you chant sell? Is that allowed in the press box? Can you boo an owner? I, I I don't know the answer to that. Maybe maybe do it quietly, and if someone accuses you, say it was the possum who did it. I don't know. I was saying Billy Burns. Uh, all right, that's four <laughs> Simpsons references and a good place to end. Episode 234 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We'll be back next week, and we'll see you then.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.